Hello and welcome to another episode of Our Athletes. My name is Michael Rozil and I'm the host of the show where I get to interview Olympic athletes on their story and path to the games. Today, super cool guest, we have Paige McPherson who competes in Taekwondo. Interestingly enough, Paige has been to multiple Olympics and has even won a bronze medal in the 2012 London Games. Paige was such a fun guest getting to really understand what it was like living as an Olympian, um, the the scene, quote unquote, of USA Taekwondo and what that is like, and really just what like how her, her family life, I mean, she was adopted into a family. Um, they lived in South Dakota. Um, there's it's a very diverse family just a very very interesting story and everything that she has going on so without further ado here is olympic bronze medalist paige mcpherson all right today special guest paige mcpherson two-time olympian usa taekwondo paige was born october 1st 1990 in abilene texas but apparently she's from south dakota i don't know first person i've ever (laughs) met so i'm not sure if it even exists but it does uh paige started taekwondo at the age of five but really officially started at seven and there's a cute little story that goes into that so we'll get into that in a bit uh she's been winning international competitions since about 2004 so we're working on almost a dec- decade and a half. That sounds yeah. pretty cool, oh, right? You've been oh. rocking it for almost 15 years now. Uh, not too bad. Not too bad. She's won five gold medals in international competition. As I said, a two-time Olympian, and she won the bronze medal in the 2012 Games and represented the United States in the 2016 Games as well. Paige, thanks for hanging out with us today. I appreciate it. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. No, no, no. The pleasure's all mine. You're the Olympian. I'm just the guy that likes to ask questions. So it works out. But if you don't mind, um, I know you have a very interesting backstory and everything uh, that comes with it. So if you don't mind kind of getting into uh, the early parts of your life, being adopted, and then, and, and I mean, apparently moving to South Dakota. I don't yeah, know. Maybe that's code for something. I'm not sure. <laughs> so I was born in um, Abilene, Texas. Um, I was adopted when I was four days old into the McPherson family. Everybody in South Dakota, South Dakota um, calls us the Rainbow family. And the reason is, is because my parents adopted five uh, kids from around the world, different nationalities. So uh, two of my older uh, siblings, our Native American, my eldest brother, um, who, who is the reason why I started Taekwondo, is from Korea. Myself, I'm part Filipino. Um, and then my little sister, she's from um, St. Lucia. So um, growing up, I started Taekwondo because Evan, being, in, being Korean, um, my parents put him into Taekwondo, and I was his little shadow, had to do everything that he did. Uh, funny thing is, I started when I was five, but my instructor at that time said, come back when she's a little, you know, settle down and be able to listen because I literally did whatever I want. I was mm-hmm. a crazy child. Um, seven was, I, was when I officially started. And, you know, I, I loved Taekwondo just because of the diversity of it all, the different people. It reminded me of my family back at home. So it was really just another extended family. And, man, it's been a crazy journey so far. I've been over, uh, shoot, almost 20 years in it. Mm. So kind of mm. crazy. <laughs> 20 years, Paige. Wow. I'm, I'm sorry to tell you, starting to get, you're starting to get old. Um, I know. You are I know. starting to get what a little – no. happen? <laughs> um, I'd say probably about two years ago is when it really started. You started to actually get old, 25-ish, 26, right around there. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> but I love it. Yeah, that, that's, uh, that's super interesting. I mean, what, um, what made your parents want to adopt five children from, from what sounds like four different nationalities? Was it something specific or, or did they set out on this mission? Did it just kind of happen like that? Um, um, did you yeah, even, like, have those conversations, I guess. Yeah, uh, well, my parents weren't um, fortunate to be able to have their own kids. So they started at their, you know, uh, local um, adoption agency. They adopted two, but the there was only a restriction for in-state adoptions. You could only have two, apparently. So that's when they went, you know, abroad to mm-hmm. um, add to the family. So Very they got cool. us. <laughs> hey, nothing they wrong with that. It sounds like it worked out for everyone. <laughs> oh, yeah, involved. it did. It did. It did. That, that is incredible. And then I just want to say, so your sister went from St. Lucia, beautiful, yeah. sunny, sunshiny yeah. St. Lucia, to <laughs> South Dakota. South Dakota, yeah. Ugh. The Black Hills area, yep, yep, to extreme weather. 
I was going to say, I'm sure it's beautiful where you are, but yeah, the, uh, I, I'm sure, I'm sure the warm weather of South Dakota or um, I'm sorry, of St. Lucia would have been pretty nice too, but yeah, that is, that's, uh, that's a little bit different. huh? <laughs> um, but tell me, tell me about, I mean, I guess growing up in a family like this, I mean, obviously you know, nothing different, right? I mean, at four years, four days old, you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're adopted into this family, but I guess as you grew up, did you ever notice how that might've affected you compared to some of your other friends and, and what that really helped you with um, on a personal side? Um, definitely. Um, my sister and I were actually being the only black two people in the region when we grew up. So I think our lives were a little bit different, um, in comparison of others. But I would say this is that I cannot, you don't understand Mm -hmm. the level and amount of love that your family gives to you and the amount of strength that it uh, brings to your character and your, and just growing as a person, um, there was a lot of racism in conservative South Dakota. So, mm-hmm. but our parents really were able to kind of shield us from that. We weren't really aware just because of the amount of love that they had for us and just being able to um, create, you know, a better envi- environment around us. So we were, uh, we were adopted, we were homeschooled all the way up to like high school. And then we actually uh, finished off our education in a charter school. So I wasn't necessarily around normal mm-hmm. kids. Mm-hmm. I was really just around um, people, uh, my family, and then just smaller, you know, homeschool like uh, families. So I wasn't really into that um, social life at mm-hmm. that age, which at the end of the day, it really helped my work ethic. Um, I was in ballet, I was in violin, I was in piano, I was in taekwondo. So I was had so many activities beyond just school that really kept me focused. And um, I definitely attribute my background of dance to what I have today as my skills, the amount of foot control body control has really helped my game now Mm. as it is today so I think everything like my childhood the experiences I have it really is the backstory of who I am today and I wouldn't change anything um that is incredible. Yeah, I mean, all that stuff going on. I mean, yeah, obviously, I've never been to South Dakota. Still not sure if it's a real place. Sorry. Yeah. But, um, yeah I can understand, obviously, conservative South Dakota. Up oh, yeah. Not too many people. Absolutely. I could see that, see that being a little difficult for you and, and your family and your sister and, and people looking at you like that. But it seems like, as you said, your family did a pretty great job at, at shielding that with love. And that's really all they can do at that point. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and again, clearly it works. Uh, yeah. You know, look where you guys are now. So that 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 yeah. part's pretty pretty important. Um. So I guess you know, obviously, you told us that cute little story about getting into Taekwondo, and then at seven, finally, really getting into it. So what is it about Taekwondo that you really love, and and what I guess kept you in it for so long to eventually get to obviously becoming an Olympic bronze medalist, a two time Olympian. Hmm. Hmm. Um. I think the reason mainly is why I stuck with it at a younger age and it was because of the family aspect the the classes where I created friends that was where that was how I created friends outside of my family when I was in school Mm -hmm. so um my friends were there um just the family bonding not only did some of my siblings start you know um, I believe once my mom and dad tried you know it became like a family affair my older brother uh, Graham started as well. So it just was something really to bring the family together at that time. Um, I definitely understood that I had a God-given talent. Um, just going around the state's tournaments, you know, I would always, it was just always thrilling uh, to fight and compete against other kids. But at the end of the day, once everything was done, you know, everybody looked forward to those team meals afterwards, you know, right after cutting weight. <laughs> and then you get to eat whatever you want um, post-competition. So just though that type of environment really helped me stick around. And then I was doing good at that time. So states eventually turned into nationals. And I remember our very first nationals um, coming from South Dakota. It was like one of the biggest tournaments um, for us. And we brought five athletes there the very first time and three of us medaled and it was unheard of at that time you know South Dakota what like you said people didn't know people existed or if it was there so once uh 
we started getting medals nationally, once you start performing, you're usually invited to these other national tournaments. And so once I started competing at that age, I started continuing um, being invited to these other tournaments, um, team trials, um, and uh, black belt festivals and things like that. And then that is kind of when I was recruited by my now coach Juan Moreno. He's a three-time Olympian, two-time silver medalist himself. Um, and he was the one that recruited me to Miami to continue my professional aspect of Taekwondo. I officially professionally started Taekwondo, I would say, was when I moved to Miami in 2009 which where I started off to make it a full-time situation. But before it was just, it was a hobby. I loved it just because of it was where my family was at. It was where mm -hmm. all the um, experiences were. So That is pretty cool. And uh, again, going back to you being old, almost a decade yeah. as a professional. <laughs> exactly. Ooh, good for you. I mean, Hey, clearly you, yeah. you made a, you made a name for yourself and that's all that really absolutely, matters. I mean, absolutely. so that is just super cool. And, and I mean, I guess you, you kind of answered it, but I'm kind of curious, was there a specific moment? Like, as you said, you kind of saw yourself working along and, and once you started meddling in the, the state tournaments and then mm -hmm. you started finding yourself at these national tournaments, was there like a, a, a like a light bulb moment where you're just like, whoa, wait a second. I think um, I can do this. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I was such, I'm still am a fan of the Olympics. I, mm -hmm. I still remember, you know, in homeschool, um, when we'd have our specific sports that we watched during the Olympics, um, the winter and the summer, uh, we would all, you know, collect, go around the TV and cheer on Team USA. And so that kind of spirit, you know, patriotism um, in our family was always there. And so I always wanted to go to the Olympics. When I found out that Taekwondo was a part of the Olympics, uh, watching um, to, in 2000, um, and then just more, more importantly, the more importantly, 2008, when I watched the Lopez family, they were the very uh, big name in Taekwondo at that time. Um, I definitely saw that high caliber of athletes and I knew, Hey, I, I could do this. I could possibly do this. So, um, I would say honestly, in 2008, when I watched the Olympics, then, um, Taekwondo was in it. Um, Obviously, the family did very well during that Olympics, and that was when I, I think I officially was like, you know what, I want to try. I want to try to go to the Olympics. And then in 2009, <laughs> I ended up moving to Miami to pursue that dream. And kind of when I say I will try, I definitely um, am committed. When I say I'm committed, I give it my all. For four years, I mean, I'm so very fortunate that in, two, in 28, uh, 2008, I was able to make the 2012 Olympics, you know, just short from uh, four years. It's, it's crazy to me that I was able to make it like that. But um, once I set my, set my mind to something, I definitely give it my all. And I Love was it. fortunate enough to do it. Yeah. Okay. Fortunate enough. I mean, you clearly oh. put it in the work. Um, yes, so I definitely did. Don't, don't, don't sell yourself too short. You, <laughs> you deserve it. Um, so, so before getting to the 2012 games, and I guess – Leading up to then, um, yeah. you know, as I said, you've won five gold medals in international competition. Your Wikipedia page, I, I, I almost had to start scrolling to see all yeah. the medals <laughs> on the side. So, I mean, what like during that time frame, so it sounds like that's between 2008 and 2012 is when you started getting some of these medals, correct? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. what was that like and realizing like you are the best at these places and understanding that the Olympics is a very, very not it's not a dream anymore now it's a, a very yeah, real possibility and not even a possibility a possibility to be one of the best at the olympics like how yeah. what is that time frame like and and working with your coach how did you eventually make it to that point um well i definitely in 2008 when i when I, and when i moved to 2009 officially to miami mm -hmm. um the goal was to first make the team it, mm -hmm. i think once you make the team it's, it's kind of easy sailing from then on because um, all you have to do is train because mm -hmm. there's no more political battles. There's no more, you know, uh, national battles amongst the eight weight brackets that you have to, you know, be able to perform enough for the uh, uh, Olympic committee to choose you individually, your governing body to choose your weight division. And then you have to um, compete within the nas national um, pool in order to 
be able though one to compete at the Olympics. So I think <laughs> come 2009, it was it was solely just being able to prove that I was the athlete that they should choose. Um, there are only two weight divisions, two women, two men that are able to qualify and compete at the Olympics. So there's eight, and then they write, uh, combine the weight brackets to four, and then they only choose two. So um, come 2009, I knew I had to perform, and so I would just go around um, going to the Pan Am uh, Championships, uh, going to the national competitions and just performing. And I was fortunate enough to be uh, one of those two uh, female athletes that performed the best um, throughout those four years. So that was our goal in the beginning was to first make the team. And um, of course, um, before they chose my division, one of the, I think one of the biggest factors was that I went down to the weight division that they had chosen first. So I am 67 or uh, 67 kilos, under 67 kilos female, and I dropped 10 kilos <laughs> to fight in this first uh, weight division that they had chosen, and I made it all the way to the finals. Um, I ended up winning, uh, losing to Diana Lopez, but I think that was another factor that proved like, Hey, this girl's willing to do what it takes to go to the Olympics. She just, you know, lost in the finals at the team trials to qualify for the Olympics in that division. Why not we take a chance on her? And they did. And once again, once I made that 2012 Olympic team, it was smooth sailing in a, in a way that I just had to focus on training and, and our strategy to perform well at the 2012 Olympic Games. Love it. Yeah, that was actually yeah. going to be my question. Like, it, So do they, when they choose the weight classes, does everyone then scramble to get within those weight classes? Oh, it absolutely. sounds like. And yeah, absolutely. and then, and I'm sure more people, uh, there's certain people that are just, I mean, built differently naturally. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just okay. how biology works. Um, yeah. So, you know, I could see those tweeners kind of getting in a frustrating spot, but clear, clearly you did not. And um just because I'm American and don't really know uh, the metric system so much, how much is 10 kilos? Oh, 10 kilos is roughly uh, 20, 22 pounds. Wow. All yeah. right. So, yeah. you're... so naturally, I'm naturally I'm like 147. Um, and then I had to get down to under 57. So, I mean, dang, that is crazy that I freaking made that weight. I was 130 or, yeah, 135 three when I weighed in or something like that mm -hmm. um, at that point in time. So I lost a lot of weight over that. <laughs> hey, however it worked, clearly it worked. So that's all yeah, that matters. Yeah, and, and you said Diana Lopez, um, and not to sound like an ass or anything, but is that the Lopez family that you were talking about earlier? Uh, as in yeah. the ones that, okay, cool. Cause I mean, yeah, that's yeah. a super common last name. So I feel like an idiot oh, if it was okay. like, no, yeah, you're dumb. Uh, but like, so, Okay, so that's so she's a part of that family that you literally grew up watching. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. you went and unfortunately lost to her. But I mean, yeah. just what was that like? Just being I mean, able like, to fight her. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, that's insane. It was it was insane. Um, she again, it's a weight weight class that I have never fight because I'm um, roughly <laughs> ten kilos heavier. Um, but. Uh, Oh, it was just the dream in itself, being able to compete against, you know, your idols. Obviously, you want to beat them. That's your goal. But um, it just also showed me kind of where I was at um, talent-wise, technical-wise, um, in order to perform possibly in the future. So, again, it was, it was a close fight. It was a pretty good fight, um, which made it more um, exciting, I think. Um, but, again, I, I had, like, like five, six fights that day just to get to finals. Ooh, okay. Um, just because it was, it was a round robin, so you had to fight everyone, and if you lost, you'd have to come back in the losing bracket. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so, yeah, it was a long day. <laughs> yeah, but that... I made it. I made it to the finals. I ended up losing to her, which was okay to me. But um, at least I gave it my all at that yeah. time. Yeah, clearly. I mean, loser brackets, those are so frustrating. Going oh, in, going God. out, winning to get out. It's just, yeah, exactly. oh, gosh, yeah, that is a lot yeah. extra involved. But hey, again, you got to the place you needed to be at that point. Um, came up just a little short, but clearly, I mean, you were relatively, I mean, you were 18 at the time, 2008, right? Not even, 17. Uh, like 17, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, you're an October birthday, so you're kind of like, yeah. oh yeah, happy birthday, only a month oh, ago today. Look at I that. know, I know, it's crazy. Well, Good so stuff. Cool. 
Um, so then I guess let me actually take a time out and I, I kind of messed up my, the, the directions of my question. So I'm sorry about that. Can you actually explain Taekwondo to us? Um, you know, obviously I've seen it and I've seen different forms. I'm not going to say karate, um, mm -hmm. but like, can you actually explain how Taekwondo works and maybe some of the specificities that maybe when I'm watching, I can be like, oh, okay, that's what makes this Taekwondo one different than something else. Just okay. so I myself, but also I'm sure people listen yeah, yeah, yeah. on that too. Um, so Taekwondo originally originally is from Korea, and it has a more emphasis on kicking um, rather than you know arms and punching mm -hmm. and um, takedowns, everything like that. Um, it's a very very dynamic sport. It's really interesting how you say how can you explain it because Taekwondo has evolved so much that there is no basic form or way of explaining it. I just say it's more emphasis on kicking. Um, the way uh, you compete with Taekwondo is it's an electronic scoring system. We have three rounds, um, two minutes, and then a minute in between. And whoever scores the most points generally wins. Um, and then it's, ha it's a weight divisions as well, so it has brackets sim similar to wrestling. Um, but um, <laughs> again, the way to explain it, I mean, it's just evolved so mm -hmm. much that you can't really say what a kick is nowadays because if it scores, it's go you know what I mean? Yeah, it counts. Good. If it counts, it counts. It counts. It counts. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I would say it's, it's just, a, I love it just because it's, it's really like a game of chess. Mm -hmm. There's so many strategies and tactics that you can do with your opponents to set up um, mm -hmm. the end result mm -hmm. of scoring. Um, Absolutely. So is it so like is a kick to the leg work it worth as much oh, as a okay. kick to the stomach? Like how how yeah, does the scoring yeah, yeah. work? Yeah. So scoring system, you have a hogu um, on and a headgear. Um, you're not allowed to kick below the waist. Um, so body points are two points. Headshots are three. And if you add a spinning technique to it, it adds um, an ex extra points. So if you back kick, so spin to the body, you get four points. If you spin to the face, you get five points. And punches, you, we do punch, uh, generally. <laughs> and you are rewarded with a point if you do uh, land a solid punch to the body. Very cool. Okay, that's yeah, good yeah. to know. Yeah, no, nothing below the waist. That's interesting, um, especially considering it's a lot of kicks. So that's, yeah, yeah definitely, yeah, yeah. now that I actually understand what I'm watching, um, yeah. <laughs> come pretty soon, uh, that'll, that'll make my life easier and I get to watch you do it, hopefully. Um, but we'll get to that in a little bit. So thank you for that. And then how does the qualification process work? Um, as you said, you lost in 2008, so you weren't able to go. And as you said, there's only two women and two men from the two different weight brackets. But how... Is it just a single one-time Olympic trials or, or does it have to do with other events around the world that you've done? Is there a point mm -hmm. system? If you don't mind explaining yeah. that a little bit. So there is a ranking system within the WT um, Federation. Um, so basically, if you're able to collect enough points that put you in the top six of your Olympic ranking, so Olympic and world ranking is different. World ranking um, involves all eight uh, weight divisions, mm -hmm. so 16 in total. But Olympic ranking, again, you combine it to make uh, four. Um, so in your Olympic ranking, um, if you make top six at the end of the uh, year before the Olympics, you automatically qualify to go to Olympics. So it's just straight okay. to Olympics, which <laughs> mm -hmm. is so nice. But if you're not able to... Uh, reach that path, there are regional uh, qualifications. So the Pan Am region, you know, European region, um, Oceania, et cetera. In order to qualify, you have to make it all the way to finals um, in order to qualify yourself. Now that is your weight division. Um, once, if you're, not make, if you're not able to qualify top six, your national governor body basically chooses which weight divisions they want to choose. Um, so again, you can only have two women or two males. Um, but if you make it top six, you can potentially make a full team. But if you're not able to, you mm -hmm. have to go through the regional um, aspects. And then your national government body chooses the weight division. They go to the regional qualifications. And then you have to go back and compete again um, <laughs> within your national government body to make sure you're the best in your, in your nation to go and 
compete. So, so just yeah, be at the <laughs> just just be at the top of the Olympic rankings, right? Exactly. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Cool. 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 That's <laughs> yep. Nice and easy, straight shot. Don't have to worry exactly. about national governing um, bodies or yeah, competitions. Exactly. It's just you rock, please, Paige. That is fantastic. Awesome. Okay, cool. Thank you for that. Sorry for that little divergent, but I always like to make sure. Hopefully that. I could explain it to you and it makes sense a little bit. I understood it. And that's, <laughs> okay, uh, okay. If, if I can understand it, I'm sure the people listening are way more than capable of understanding it as well. So, all right, cool. So uh, I spoke about the 2018 or I'm sorry, 2008, what happened there leading up to it. So now let's talk about 2012 games, man. You made it, you went, Absolutely incredible. High five. Congratulations. Thanks for representing us. I mean, London, at least, um, you know, not too far. I mean, I guess from South Dakota, kind of difficult, but, um, or Miami now, never mind. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But, um, you know, tell us about the games. Tell us about the experiences you had getting there. I mean, what it was like when you found out that you were going. Uh, I want to hear everything and all about it. Okay. So, uh, first off, just real quick moment. Mm-hmm. So, 2008, I didn't compete in that um, specific Olympic team trials. Mm-hmm. I competed in the 2011 leading to the 2012 Olympic team trials for a past okay. uh, weight division. They didn't okay, okay, okay. my weight division, the second female, mm-hmm. until the very last year. So that's Ooh. that's the correct. Okay, that's sorry about that. I Thank you. That's when I fought Diana because yeah. she made two Olympics, 2008 and then 2012. Thank you for that. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. Sorry about that. I just want to make sure. So. No, no, no. Absolutely. But, no, yeah. Uh, so uh, leading on, 2012, man, I am spoiled. It's, it was the best Olympics uh, so far for me. Um, I think it's also just because it was my first one, so I never had any expectations. And then it was in Lo- London, the UK. So, <laughs> I mean, just London itself is such an amazing um, city. Um, but the best way I always explain uh, to other people, it was literally like a Disney world to athletes. So the Olympics, everything is just grand. Everything was grand. When we go to the Olympic village, I mean, you see all these amazing athletes, uh, different people from around the world. You see your characters per se. So you see Michael Phelps, Serena Williams, you know, Usain Bolt, literally just walking, you know, in the streets and you're like, oh my, wait, is that that same person I saw in 2008? So, you know, you're just, I'm fangirling everywhere. I'm walking there and just everybody was so sweet, so nice um, for the athletes in the Olympic Village, everything, absolutely everything was free. So we had this little key card and we could literally just scan whatever we wanted at the vendors and get anything for free. So for us, for the first time, we were like, what? (laughs) I can not hoard everything in my room Uh (laughs) because it's free. So um, that was an awesome aspect. The food hall was, you know, half the size of a football field. I mean, and the really cool thing about it was that there were stations from around the world. So you had like authentic, mm-hmm. you know, countries, cuisines there. So it's really neat to be like, oh, hey, coach, you know, I'm, I'm going to Korea real quick. I'll see you later. You know, just everything was authentic. All the food was absolutely amazing. And there was a McDonald's within this food hall and everything was free. I mean, mm-hmm. we were like, what? Come on. This is crazy. And I mean, the sponsorships that we got for the Olympics um, during that time, Nike and Ralph Lauren were basically having their own competition amongst each other to see how much product they could give the athletes who had more product for the athletes. So I remember going into the processing um, for, you know, the Olympics, the opening ceremonies and closing ceremonies to get our stuff. And I mean, they would just roll this huge bag of Ralph Lauren stuff. It's just, and I still haven't worn everything within that bag <laughs> that they have given me. So also you're being tailored. First time I got tailoring done for my, you know, my ceremony outfits. I mean, it was just a dream come true. And then once you get done with this duffel size bag of Ralph Lauren, then you're sectioned off to Nike and then Nike gives you this other mm-hmm. huge duffel bag of stuff. It was just crazy. I, I think I got like five pairs of shoes, um, like four pairs of sunglasses, over 
30 shirts. It's just, it was just too much at, at some point. But I still remember in uh, 2012 is that they also had other vendors around the UK to kind of have the athletes interact within the city. And so you'd have like Beats by Drake, you know, they, their official uh, warehouse in, in the UK or uh, where you would go there and get free mm -hmm. beats that were customized to your nation. So ours was a, was a nice off-white color with the little American um, like flag right on the side of it. And then mm -hmm. Japan would have different things for their um, headphones. But it was just surreal. And again, just being able to represent something bigger than myself, being able to see athletes that understand me, that have gone through the same mm -hmm. amount of stress and sacrifice, and yet they're still so excited to be there. Um, it was just, it was a dream come true, true. And then my favorite point, I think, in that games was opening ceremonies. Of mm -hmm. course, myself, my, my teammate, TJ and my coach, all three of us were able to walk in the opening ceremony. It was just a surreal moment because, again, all the sacrifice, all the hardships that we had to undergo in order to get there. I mean, it was just so emotional and overwhelming to be able to just walk into this huge stadium of people just cheering for USA. And again, you get to meet absolutely everybody on the team. So you get to meet the professional basketball players, mm -hmm. and all those things. So it was just really cool to just see everyone to be able to have that surreal moment of like, wow, we finally made a dream come true. That is just so cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah. meeting the basketball players was probably would probably be my favorite part. Me, I mean, Sue, yeah, yeah. Michael Phelps, like all these amazing Michael athletes, Phelps. right? Yeah, like, yeah. oh my god! And yeah, as you said, they're just like they're just walking they're around people, like you live you know? like yeah. next door to some of them. Yeah, like, exactly. Cool. I was like, oh, you're in the same floor as me. What? <laughs> Do you want to hang out later? Yeah, what are you doing? Yeah. You want to watch Netflix? Oh, please say yes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's funny story. So. um Usually whenever you meet these big names, yeah, you want pictures and everything like that. But sometimes I like to be too, uh, try to be shy or too mm -hmm. cool or like, oh, I'm not going to take a picture. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be like them. But my coach, he was like, take a picture with him. Take a picture with him. Oh my gosh. That's, that's uh, Kobe. Let's go. You know? Yeah. Oh <laughs> well, yeah. Did you get? We, yeah. We took pictures with all of them. Okay. Good. Uh, good. Good. I was going to say at least Kobe. Kobe. Like, come on. Yeah, for sure. And um, uh, Kevin Durant, um, but he, he was just saying like he had wished in his past Olympics, you know, he was so focused on competing, performing that he really didn't take pictures with the other athletes. And now looking back as a coach, mm -hmm. he really wished he would have done that as an athlete. So that's why he was like pushing us to just take pictures with every, as much people as we could. And um, the cool thing about Kobe was that my, my teammate Diana actually personally knew him from the past Olympics. And so I actually got to talk to him face to face and he's such a nice guy. Mm -hmm. So, so nice. But That's the story awesome. that I wanted to say was that um, right after the Olympic uh, opening ceremonies, everybody's finally out of the stadium and we're famished because usually that walk takes about three to four hours just because we're allowing mm -hmm. all the other countries to go, the whole ceremony performance. And so as soon as we're done, you know, we're, we're exhausted. We want to go back to the village to eat. And all of a sudden we hear this huge um, crowd like screaming and freaking out and it happens to be Usain Bolt walking out of the opening ceremonies and they he has this whole posse behind him because he's such well obviously he's yeah. an amazing athlete so so famous um, and so he was with his posse next to the whole Team USA uh, group and my coach was like go take a picture with him and I was like oh because he was turning down people to take pictures his his posse was like no 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 he doesn't want to take photos blah blah so my coach is just like Paige try and he like literally pushes me in front of Usain Bolt and I look at Usain Bolt because I don't realize how tall this guy mm -hmm. is you know, mm -hmm. as a sprinter he's a giant and I'm definitely a fan of Usain Bolt I think he's the perfect representation of an Olympian I mean the fastest man in the world like mm -hmm. that to me is just like 
So I was starstruck when I got there and I was just like, <laughs> just like staring at him, just shocked, you know, terrified, like, <laughs> and then I was just like, he's saying Volser, can I please say <laughs> Like, I was like crazy, like almost uh-huh. wet my pants <laughs> moment. And he was nice enough though to take a photo with me. And I was the only person in that moment that was able to take a picture with him before he, he left. So then that was my moment of stardom that I think <laughs> I'll forever remember. Yes, that is oh, absolutely fantastic. That is a very fantastic story. Thank yeah, you so much for sharing good. that. Um, I really, really appreciate that. that is a good one. Oh, man. And yeah, I totally agree. Fastest man on earth. Like that is completely mind boggling. Yeah, that is absolutely. just so cool. And the opportunity you had to meet him, take, take a picture with him when no one else could. Yeah. Um, even though you could barely get the words out of your <laughs> yeah, mouth, it sounded exactly. like. I mean, that's I was like, why did I even say that? <laughs> like, oh. uh, excuse me, sir. <laughs> Hi, uh, I'm Paige. Can I? Yeah. Uh, can I? Oh, that's too cute. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so, um, you kind of answered it, but I definitely want to dive just a little deeper into it. Like, what? How much? And it sounds like you had a pretty good mentor with your coach there and everything. But mm-hmm. how much did you try and really soak in the experience? Because not everyone gets to go to one games. Um, not everyone gets to go to a second games. You know. Mm-hmm. So, like, how did you handle the the balance of focusing specifically on what you're there to do, which is compete, obviously, with mm-hmm. understanding that this is potentially a once in a lifetime opportunity and yeah, really absolutely. taking in as much as you can. How did you How did you balance those two? Um, so as our first Olympics, um, we didn't necessarily get as much publicity as the Lopez's because mm-hmm. again, the Lopez's, this mm-hmm. was more than their first or second Olympics. And so they basically had all the attention, which was fine. Um, but at, at that Olympics, I definitely was more focused on performing, um, my coach and TJ and myself, uh, we definitely were more, you know, in the background, um, aspect of, of everything. Um, we definitely had our moments of taking it in, having some fun, um, walking around, but it was most, uh, solely focusing on, you know, competition Mm -hmm. day. Um, but I would definitely say, I think I don't, I didn't realize that aspect for as you know once in a lifetime moment wasn't until Rio is when I really kind of took in the, mm-hmm. the, the situation that I was in mm-hmm. so. very cool and so where where does Taekwondo fall within the the couple weeks of the Olympics is it towards the beginning middle or end yeah it's towards the end it oh okay yeah towards the end yeah so you it was kind of mm-hmm. hard in um the beginning is because at you know everybody's more focused the village is a little bit quieter everybody's on their own schedule and regimens but you know as the days you know got mm-hmm. closer and closer towards the end you'd hear people getting louder you know mm-hmm. celebrating going out it's just you know yeah happening in the village yeah so, yeah so it was it was very interesting to to see at that time but it just I think it even made us even more focused mm-hmm. and um, my coach really was emphasize the importance of routine and so mm-hmm. literally every single day we did the exact same thing until it was our time to perform very interesting i mean that just to make an analogy that's like kind of like having class on friday in college yeah um, like everyone else on like thursday is like let's go and you're like ah, i got a 10 a.m yeah. i really can't go out yeah, so that, exactly. that's interesting i got a test on friday <laughs> <laughs> i can't so do that <laughs> sounds like sounds like you're able to still crush it um again yeah, yeah. winning a bronze medal so tell us about the competition tell us about everything you went through on that side and being able to um you know with however many millions of people watching you that day on NBC or whatever it was you were able to just rock and roll man it seems like it was yesterday that so my coach a little bit back around mm-hmm. him i mean my coach is such a uh he loves to be in control mm-hmm. so you know everything that we did it was within his you know um schedule what mm-hmm. he thought was best for us as athletes etc and so I remember come competition day um, usually we have a, he has a strategy so he'll tell me okay you need to do this you need to do that you need to do this make sure you do don't do this you know everything he's always like on top of everything but on that day when I competed he was just like all right this is your moment to make a name for yourself go have fun and I was like what like, Where did that come from? 
coach, what do you want me to do? You know, I'm, I was just, I'm always so used to him being, being like a soldier and him, mm-hmm. him telling me what to do that I was just shocked that he was like, all right, you know, just, let's just have fun and we'll see, you know, see how the, how the day, um, plays out. Um, so that was a major change come competition day. And actually my very first fight was, um, Sarah Stevenson, who was from GB. And so, I mean, it was the fight, fight of the day. Uh Um, That was their superstar. Um, so they were, they were even saying like Will and Kate was in the crowd, um, about to watch them. So I, yeah, I still remember you know, obviously I was the under underdog. Nobody really knew who I was. And, you know, Sarah Stevenson, she was the reigning world champion of our, uh, of our sport. And I mean, she has so many accomplishments within this game. And so when I knew I had to fight her, I was like, all right, <laughs> this is definitely the time where I need to prove mm-hmm. myself. And I still remember when we're all getting our gear and our hogus, you know, and then the announcer is like, oh, Patrick Pearson from USA, you know, crickets. And mm-hmm. All of a sudden, you know, leading up to their, their play, uh, star player, I just remember the, the ground shaking and the crowd going wild for this girl, you know, as we're walking across to the, to the stadium or uh, to the stage. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. And then I was just like, I just remember in my head, I was like, I'm going to be, <laughs> I got to beat her. And I, I was uh, fortunate enough to beat her in her hometown, you know, mm. in front of everyone, in mm-hmm. front of Will and Kate. And I was like, ah, uh, <laughs> this is me. Is this is so cool. Yeah, yeah. So that's one of the fun uh, uh, moments. With yeah. Them Beating someone in their home stadium. Yeah. I mean, like, so yeah. I'm a pretty big college. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I'm like yeah. a huge college football fan, and I always root for – the home team to lose because it is hilarious watching yeah. all the fans like just yeah, look like, oh, absolutely dejected yeah. and and yeah, knowing exactly. that you were able to do that to an entire mm-hmm. country i mean love great britain love london i've been there yeah, it's a absolutely. great place but still like that is so cool just knowing that you just kind of get that little smirk on your face they can't say much and you can just yeah exactly wave to yeah, them, so. yeah and so they were actually since i had beaten her they were hoping for me to continue all the way to finals mm-hmm. just because in Taekwondo at the Olympics it's repressage. So whoever makes it to the finals, whoever they uh, beat to get there, those losing um, athletes go to a bronze medal bracket where they have a chance to fight for the bronze. So, I mean, so that's what they were hoping. So I got these whole, this whole crowd, you know, now cheering for me mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in the second half of the game. So it was really cool to see that like turn around, um, at the end of the day, but I ended up le- losing to Nurtatar who ended up getting the silver medal, um, within that day. And since, again, since she went to finals, I had the chance to fight for the bronze. And again, I was devastated after my loss with her, but again, my coach, he was there to support me and he was like, Hey, 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 refocus, regroup. We still have a job to do whether or not we win or lose today. We're going to, you know, go all the way through. So I was very fortunate enough for him to be there and to refocus me. And um, the girl that I had fought for the bronze medal, again, she's this giant tall girl, um, very exceptional herself, but I was able to mentally be stronger than her. She came off a loss as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was able to recover more than she, and I was able to beat her for the, for the bronze medal. And again, that moment, it was as if I kind of won, um, mm-hmm. just because once you win the bronze medal, you're able to celebrate and, you know, carry the flag around behind mm-hmm. you, run around the stadium. So it was a surreal moment to be able to, again, uh, medal at the Olympics, um, for my very first time. That is, yeah. I mean, first time yeah. going and, and yeah. getting a medal. I mean, yeah, obviously bronze, everyone's shooting for gold, but at the same yeah, time, absolutely. I mean, to medal the, at the Olympics yes. is, is no joke. So. I mean, you're one of the three best in the world at something. Yeah, it doesn't absolutely. get cooler than that, in my opinion. If I could be fifth best at something, I'd totally take it. Don't worry. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but, you know, absolutely. Being, being absolutely. third best and, and, and how it worked. I mean, obviously, again, shooting for gold, but you got a medal. What was it like? What were some of the emotions you were feeling when, I mean, you, you know, you're standing up there, you're hearing the national anthem play, the flags are coming down. What, I mean, what was that moment like? I mean, was oh. it an out-of-body experience? Kind of yeah. like, how, how did that work? Out of body experience, I just remember just so happy. Again, it, it, 
being able to uh, make a name for myself. Nobody knew really who I was at that time. I was still an up and coming athlete, young. Um, so many, again, you kind of look back on the past four years of literally sacrificing everything for a chance at a dream. And then finally, you know, a dream becoming a reality. I mean, it's, it's just a surreal moment because you never think you'll, you'll get there. Mm -hmm. um, just because the journey is so long. Again, there were so many issues with that first Olympics that when I was finally able to win that bronze medal, it was basically a way of telling everyone that I deserve to be here, that I wasn't, you know, chosen for the wrong reasons at that time, um, and that I was able to overcome um, the adversity within uh, the games. Mm -hmm. so. That's awesome. Well, congratulations. Yeah. Very Thank well you. deserved. And I just think it is super cool um, yeah, that you, you know, your horrible. first shot, you were able to do it and uh, you come through not too bad. So um, then, you know, obviously it sounds like you had a pretty good time at the games as well. So it's yeah. always pretty cool too. But um, obviously you also went to the 2016 games. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, you know, I know we're, we're starting to butt up against time a little bit and I don't want to keep you here forever. Um, but at the same time, definitely do want to hear about yeah, that experience. No, absolutely. You and I think each each quad is different. So the first exactly. time, first quad was making the dream a reality. Mm -hmm. um, I think the second quad for me, it was proving that it wasn't a fluke, mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. I am the, the real deal. Um, just, I think one of the fires that lit my heart in going for the second time around was first, the first time at the Olympics was amazing so mm -hmm. obviously you kind of want to go there again let's do it again <laughs> if we can see Usain Bolt one more time ask yeah, him for a picture exactly. in real yeah. give him a little confidence next time <laughs> exactly maybe I'll remember my name this time you know <laughs> like so um yeah no I think the second time around it was basically proving to everyone that I deserve to be on that team again um that I was better than some athletes. Again, I think some of the hardships that women face, I think, in, in sports is that our, our accomplishments are not as big of a deal versus the guys' accomplishments. So, again, I'm not discrediting anyone, but um, I Terrence Jennings, he got the bronze as well. So both of us got the same um, hardware and – I feel like personally that he got so much more, you know, love and recognize, um, being more recognized for his accomplishments. I get it again, that his division is one of the hardest divisions in the male, um, weight classes. And so winning a bronze medal in the Olympics in his division is a big deal. But at the same time, me, I'm like, well, what about me? You know, mm -hmm. I, I did the exact same thing that he did. Why can't I get more credit as well? So I was like in my head, I was like, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to go for the second time and mm -hmm. I'm going to, you know, possibly get that gold medal again in, in Rio. And I mean, Rio was a great experience as well. It was a little bit different. It was in the first time ever in the Pan Am South American region for an Olympics. Mm -hmm. um, so it was in Rio, beautiful, beautiful city again. Um, I loved the people around there. The people were so welcoming, warming. It was a little bit different from uh, London just because it was a little bit bigger. The, the, so the, all of the events and the village, everything was more spread out. Mm -hmm. So you didn't really get that. Um, I don't know. I, I said it was an Olympic experience, but it, again, it wasn't as good personally than London. I might be mm -hmm. biased just because, you know, the first time was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I got. Um, some hardware, <laughs> but no, it's just because everybody was more busy um, in that tournament, and I think I was more focused on the experience. Uh, don't get me wrong, for real. As soon as I made that team, I did everything in my power to be able to set myself up for gold. I and I kid you not, I can personally strongly say that I literally did everything. I mean, I trained twice a day, sometimes three times a day, sometimes four times a day on my own. I, I worked with, you know, weight trainers. I worked with psychologists. I worked with me mental coaches. I worked with, um, fit light. It's this, um, electric, um, light system that helps with your, um, reaction timing, etc. recovery. Um, 
I just did everything. I literally did everything. And so when I was able to go to Rio, I mean, again, it was such a surreal moment being able to make it not once, but twice. And then since it was my second time around, I got more um, acknowledgement for mm -hmm. being there at the Olympics. So mm -hmm. I had more interviews. I had more opportunities. And I actually made a lot more friends this time, that time around. I saw the same people that I kind of saw in London. And I talked to them this time and had a good time with them. So I definitely created more friendships. And I had a lot better experience in Rio than I did in London in that aspect but again like i did everything so i always kind of I, I i'm getting better now but i do have like a more emotional aspect of rio is because i literally gave it my all and i thought you know hey you know god let me get here for the second time there has to be a reason you know <laughs> like you have in this mindset you're like this could be my this could be my um shot I went in gold and I get there and I literally lose my first fight. Um, and I wasn't able to have the chance to go to Repishage. So I was just, I was out like that, you know, um, just giving it my all for four years and then just getting shot down um, first, first time. So it was hard to take. It's still like, you can kind of, kind of hear it in my, in my throat, like, ha, ah. <laughs> it was really hard to take just because, Again, I kind of felt I let myself down. Um, I let the people around me down. Um, I just was so confused because I, I thought I gave it my all and, you know, nothing um, happened out of it. And so for a long time, I was, I was, it was hard for me to deal with that pain. But I think, again, everything happens for a reason because I don't think without that pain um, in Rio, it wouldn't have set me up for where I am today. I mean, ever since Rio come, coming off that, that games, I've had probably the best two years of my athletic career. <laughs> it, it's, it's just mm -hmm. kind of crazy to me how in 2016, I wasn't able to, you know, I lost my first fight and then come world championships the next year, I make it all the way to the finals. Um, and then just constantly winning even more and more and more. And I think it was because I needed to have that experience, that pain, that kind of acknowledgement and heart to heart as to whether I wanted to really continue. Do I love this sport? What am I necessarily doing wrong to and figuring out the way to win? So once I lost, I kind of recognized um, what I needed to really focus on in order to better my game and chances at winning. And I don't think I would have ever learned that had I not undergone that, that hard moment in my life. Mm -hmm. um, so again, it's Rio was such an amazing experience because again, it's, it's really helped me evolve as a person, evolve as an athlete. And it's really set me up for possibly going to my third third olympics which is kind of surreal for me I, I just never thought i would be in this position right now um and if i am god willing able to make it to tokyo i will be the first american female athlete um, in taekwondo to compete in three olympic games so All that right. itself would be a huge historic moment for myself um and, you know, I'm, I'm really just kind of seeing where it takes me. Again, it's, nothing is guaranteed, but mm -hmm. I'm really excited and looking forward to riding the wave and seeing where it takes me. Just take it, man. Roll yeah, the punches. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, just getting there, working, as you said, extremely hard at doing everything you possibly can. And, and unfortunately, kind of just right out of the gate, not even really getting an opportunity. I mean, you obviously yeah, got your absolutely. opportunity and unfortunately it didn't swing your way. I'm, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm sure the girl you fought is no slouch. Let's be honest, no, she no. made it to the Olympics, right? Yeah, so, absolutely. you know, it, it, somebody, everybody's got to lose once except yeah, one absolutely. person, right? So it's yep. just one of those things <laughs> that, you know, not everyone can go home happy. It's unfortunate how it works, but, uh, you know, as you said, it, it set you up and, and it's given you that opportunity to now push even harder and, and go forward and understand what you need to work at. Cause yeah, I mean, you can, uh, you know, obviously, you as you said, you know, you can train four four times a day, but now you know exactly what you need to do. Before yeah, exactly. it almost sounds like you were training and getting better all around, but now 
you know exactly what is necessary to win mm-hmm. and, and to go forward and, um, you know, break you down to build you back up. Right. You know, yeah, like uh, exactly. the universe, the universe does those kind of things. Yeah, and it sounds like, it sounds like that's what happened and is now putting you in a position to potentially, um, as you said, make some, make some history, man. Like that's yeah, incredible. Absolutely. Three times would be, yeah. would be nuts. It'd be crazy. So. It'd be crazy. Yeah. No, honestly, um, when I came back from the Olympics, the amount of love and support that I had was just, I, could not fathom the amount of people that were there and supported me regardless of the results. Mm-hmm. So that in, in, in itself was eye opening to me because, you know, I hoped that I would take in some hardware and, you know, mm-hmm. make a name for myself and for the people behind me. But at the end of the day, it really, that really didn't matter to everybody. They were mm-hmm. just, just truly happy for what I've done. And, win or loss, they still love me. So that was a huge humbling moment for myself. Mm-hmm. And again, it continues to drive me for Tokyo. Love it. Going yeah. for 2020. We're gunning <laughs> yeah. for it, Paige. I love it. I love it. I love it. Awesome. Um, so just a couple more questions. First, thank you so much for getting yeah, nice, yeah, and, no worries. <laughs> nice and intimate with us, really giving us yeah, a good yeah. understanding of, I mean, what you've been through. It sounds like um, not too many people on earth have are capable of going through that. Not too many people have gone through it. So we appreciate you being um, physically pretty darn strong, but mentally as well. Um, so thank you for that. Thank you for representing us twice so far. Um, yeah, thank I you. think obviously everyone wants to win and medal counts are, are, are fun, absolutely. but I think that that's something that the, uh, the media drives a little too hard. I think yeah, going absolutely. twice is incredible. And I yeah, think going I think, three times would be just yeah, obviously. It's, it's the journey. It's the journey. Yeah. That's the reward at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. It really is. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you again for that. So Gunner for 2020, I can skip that question. That's a no brainer at this point. Um, So one thing I like to ask a lot of athletes and, you know, you and I spoke about it a little bit is just the monetary aspects of Mm. uh, being an Olympian, being a female Olympian, being a a female Taekwondo athlete, you know, how it works and, and talk as deep, talk as shallow as you'd like. We just want to get a good understanding. I mean, of your experience, some of the things you've seen felt heard um, and, and really what that's, how that's been able to shape you as well as a person. Um, I think monetary aspect within Taekwondo or just even a small sport within the Olympics is a very hard um, topic to talk about. uh, We're not a major um, sport within the eyes of the U.S. especially. And so a lot of us have, you know, jobs um, in order to support ourselves and to find that financial backing to, you know, make our dreams possible. My parents are first and foremost, um, the, uh, people and the reason why I was able to go to the first Olympics and the second Olympics, uh, just because there were times when necessarily my ranking wasn't the best or I wasn't performing at certain moments within those four to eight years that, you know, my parents were, were the ones that had to help me um, maintain, you know, a normal life, just even pay rent <laughs> mm-hmm. um, on a month- monthly basis. And it, it's very extreme. So right now I'm fortunate enough to be, um, get a monthly stipend by the USOC based mm-hmm. on my ranking. So right now I'm ranked number five um, in the Olympic rankings. Yes, yes. Um, and since I am top six, um, I get a monthly stipend that, allows me to just train it's not a lot but it's able for me to just you know focus on what I need Mm -hmm. to do and you know keep a roof over my head (laughs) I have you know roommates of course so uh just trying to save money here and there um also if you perform well at certain um competitions you get incentives um by the USOC so sometimes here and there you'll pick up a couple uh grand or so if you win major major tournaments. Um, but again, it's, it's really based on performance. So Mm -hmm. you can literally go from one month from being able to pay your rent from the next to absolutely having no money whatsoever. So there's a lot of stress, a lot of pressure to perform. And sometimes, especially within our, our, uh, sport, I mean, nothing is easy. Anybody can win any given day within our sport. Um, and there's so much competitiveness within our, uh, sport, um, universally that it's, it's a very difficult game. It is. And it, it's always evolving. There's always new, um, electronic scoring. There's new judges. There's, there's just so many, um, aspects within our sport that nothing is guaranteed. So 
I have to first and foremost always thank my parents who are always the, the uh, fortress of my financial <laughs> backing. But again, USOC has helped me um, throughout this quad um, in going to Tokyo. Awesome. And that's good to hear. Uh, it's just, yeah, yeah, it, it's just obviously frustrating from an outside oh, perspective yeah. that, I mean, you put in all this work. I mean, you shouldn't mm-hmm. have to have a job to try and represent us in my yeah, opinion. Absolutely. Like I just find that very, yeah. very frustrating. And that's why I like to bring up, I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, you're absolutely right. But you know, I have so much respect, if not more than the, you know, the major, major, the popular sports, just because you know that the people that are there at the Olympics are there because they purely love mm-hmm. the sport. You know, they have nothing else to gain but solely to just prove to themselves and for their country that they love what they do and they're at, they're the best at what they do. And so I truly admire that. Um, it's again, it's not fair, but at the end of the day, it's reality. And mm-hmm. if there's any way that um, we can, as a, uh, I guess, as a federation, be able to market ourselves. I think we're kind of not in that um, routine of putting ourselves out there as much as some of these mainstream sports do. So again, like you said, you, how do you explain Taekwondo at this process? It's really hard to explain. And sometimes when people don't know what they're watching, it's kind of not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, know? it's, 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 it's understandable. Sport. Yeah. It's frustrating. So, I mean, viewership obviously brings dollars. That's just how it works. Yeah, um, and, and I totally agree with you about the athletes that, that do it for the love of the sport to prove it to themselves, to represent our country. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, livable wage, man, like it can't be that difficult to at least just get a yeah, livable wage. Let's get above the poverty line at least. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, there's, there's enough things <laughs> I feel like there's enough dollars in this country that, um, yeah, you know, and especially the USOC, the IOC, I, I feel like there's enough to just livable wage. That's all I'm asking for. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but thank you so much for that. And, and being again, intimate and open and honest with us. I sincerely appreciate yeah, yeah. it. And my last question page, and then you can get back to your regularly scheduled programming. What's, um, I mean, again, we're, shoot, we're gunning for 2020, and that's, mm-hmm. that's number one on our mind. That's the only thing we're worried about. But I always like to ask athletes, what, what's next? You know, naturally, athletes' careers, unfortunately, come, mm-hmm. you know, comes to the end, come sooner uh, than yeah. everyone else. Um, mm-hmm. Most regular, regular, boring yeah. <laughs> professions, let's call it. Um, so I guess, what, what is, what, is there any next for you, or is that so far away that you're not even paying attention to that part of your life yet? Um, you know, I'm honestly just, kind of it taking it day by day Mm -hmm. month by month um I obviously I'd like to finish my schooling I've taken off a couple of years uh solely because I I wasn't able to go to school based on the schedule our sport is a year-round sport so we travel two three times if not a month um all year round to gather these points in order to qualify for the Olympics. So there really is no time sometimes, especially if you're not um, sponsored by the USOC to, to mm-hmm. go to school. So I'd, I'd like to finish my bachelor's in um, manage, business management um, and then kind of take it from there. I've always kind of seen myself opening up like a small, like little cafe um, somewhere. Nice and healthy food aspect, you mm-hmm. know, um, just one of the things I loved about traveling around the world is that ev- everywhere we went, we always had to find, you know, the best place for coffee. Yeah. So <laughs> I think eventually I'd love to open up my own little, you know, corner shop. Somewhere. I love it. Yeah. And then honestly, I have no clue. I, I usually like to plan out my life, but God has truly shown me that I cannot do that. Again, <laughs> I never thought I'd be in this position mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. possibly qualifying for my third Olympics. I mean, I thought after 2012 that, you know, life was going to be done and over with, as in like, I never saw myself out after. Um, mm-hmm. I always kind of thought it was like the end at the end of the movie, you know, it's mm-hmm. that's it. That's all folks. You know? <laughs> so, and just being able to possibly be done with uh, Taekwondo, I think I'll definitely keep my, my foot in it. If not, mm-hmm. maybe I'll go somewhere and help coaching or just being a part of it still being able to help athletes that were or are in my shoes mm-hmm. and help them perform and be able to um, have the chance at their best capacity to win. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I mean, as you said, you know, banging on about an hour ago, you've been doing this for about two decades now. So yeah, you can't exactly. you can't give up anytime soon. So I know, I know. No, I love it. I love it. And obviously, again, we're not trying to kick you out. I'm always just kind of curious what you got going on maybe afterwards. And um nice little healthy cafe, little community aspect, get into that. Yeah. Maybe maybe next door you have a nice little taekwondo gym. I don't know. It yeah. sounds like a we'll sounds see. like a fun little sounds like a fun little place. But <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. Baby steps. Baby steps. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But no, I, I just one thing I'd like to add is that um I've I'm definitely understand how blessed I am to be on this this journey. Um and I always say that without the strength of my Lord I wouldn't be here today. So I always have to give it up to him and him directing me on my path and so far it's been beyond words I never imagined myself to where I'm at so like like you said in the future you know I kind of I'm giving it up to him because apparently he knows what is best for me and we'll see what happens <laughs> that's all that matters just keep as you said exactly. let's ride the wave just keep exactly. riding it man roll the punches ride the wave congratulations on everything so one more time Paige mcpherson two-time olympian bronze medalist cross our fingers for that for a third time hey. she doesn't need too much but we'll we'll give it to her just in case you <laughs> gold medal. <laughs> yes yes we'll cross we'll double cross our fingers for yeah. the gold medal um but we're sure the work that you've been putting into this point um you could take it from there but uh yeah. uh again two-time olympian bronze medalist potential future gold medalist usa taekwondo taekwondo page thank you so much for, for today we sincerely thank appreciate you so it so much i had a blast i had a blast it was good <laughs> thank you so much for listening to this episode of our athletes with Paige mcpherson as i said her story is incredible she has so many interesting things going on and it was um really i guess eye-opening to hear that you know she almost goes months to month month to month without knowing if she's gonna be paying her rent that thing that's something that frustrates me and that's why you know i'm trying to do this just to gain more recognition for these athletes because they deserve it so please follow her on her socials everything will be in the show notes please follow us on instagram at ourathletes.us on instagram as i said at ourathletesusa on twitter and send me emails if you'd like michael at ourathletes.us website www ourathletes.us um and then yeah please rate review subscribe share like do whatever you got to do to bump this podcast up in the rankings a little bit because i truly believe it's incredible i hope you guys do too so anything that we can uh, push this a little bit higher i'd appreciate it so thank you so much and i hope you have a wonderful day